We've all heard the phrase, that kind of thing doesn't happen in our town. But here on Midwest Murder, we will shatter that false reality. In fact, it happens more often than we know. And sometimes the details of the most horrific crimes that happen in our neighborhoods are lost in the back pages of newspapers, forgotten on our news channels, and eventually erased over time. We're here to talk about murder, diving into some of the most controversial cases in Midwest history. This show will not shy away from the morbid details of these horrific events and the often ugly truths behind them. What you will hear is a detailed timeline of events, perspectives from those closely involved, and analysis by experts. What you will feel is the darkness that surrounds each story, the innocence lost by the victims, and hopefully, the justice that was ultimately delivered. Don Palumbo. Jonah Lanto. Yeah, out of breath. You're, you're really good at that intro these days. Thanks. I slowed down yeah. because there used to be in the show notes, slow down. And now I've just, I know I do. now you just know, mm-hmm. slow down. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still I was, out of breath. I was told, I was told I'm, I'm too slow. People don't like how slow I am. Then you're fast. I'm slow. One of these days we'll figure it out. Maybe. We'll see. Yeah. Well, a big thank you to our hometown crowd, crowd who are here tonight and can continue to support us and love us. We appreciate you guys so much. And of course, a big thank you to those listening and to everyone who has rated and reviewed the podcast. We are grateful for the comments, the feedback, whether it's good or bad. And of course, the support that we receive from our listeners. We truly, truly appreciate it. So Jonah, what are people saying about Midwest murder? Yeah, one, one way or another, we, we do like to hear these things. So thanks for taking the time out of your busy life, not only to listen to Midwest Murder, but to review us on iTunes or Spotify. Big thanks as well to Atypical for being here and to the Carnegie Center for allowing us to host Midwest Murder. And again, to all of you for being with us live. This review comes from T.W. Stevens. Five stars. Tell all my friends. I'm currently on episode 45. I've been listening to Midwest Murder for about one month, and I've been hooked. As someone who lives in Williston, it's very neat to learn about North Dakota murders. I tell all my friends and all my clients about you two. Love to listen. Thanks for keeping me entertained. Well, thank you. So sweet. Once in a while, we do a good one. So yeah, thanks. Thanks for sticking around. This one comes from ABCBANCBA. Uh, and this is nicely done. One star. I feel like that's sarcasm. Well, that's why I said it like that. Yeah. I nicely hope my done. tone implied sarcasm. Yeah. One star, you pieces of shit. Nicely yeah. done. <laughs> it's, it's what I was thinking. Right? I was like, yeah. Nicely yeah. done assholes yeah. is what I was yeah. thinking. Yeah. And it says it took the podcasters two minutes, 45 seconds to insult me and what I believe way to go. Don Palumbo, I'm guessing you did this one. <laughs> I, you know what? <laughs> I probably did. And for that, I am deeply sorry. I would love to know what I said. And uh, I'm glad we made it two minutes and 45 seconds. Thank I'm not you. deeply sorry. I'm deeply curious what Maybe episode that was. Like, what, what, what did we do or say in two minutes and 45 seconds that just sent somebody skyrocketing the other direction? Right, where like they were enough has it like been that bad. Enough like nicely done, you sons of bitches. I'm done. It's <laughs> I'm two not. minutes, two minutes and forty five seconds. Worst I'm out of here. Experience in my life. Yeah, yeah. But thank you okay. for taking the time to tell us about yeah. that. I just yeah. wish you would have told us what episode did that to you. Right. Show us on this doll where Midwest murder hurt you. I want details. I, I want details of what we've of what we've done. But okay. okay. All right, but we do appreciate even even we the do. negative ones. There might be even some T-shirt uh, that come out from some of the negative things that people say. Um, intellectually lazy is still very much with me, um, um, but that's okay. Right? Imagine insulting somebody, and then we make a T-shirt of it, and people wear that insult, and it, it helps pay our bills a little bit. And I'm not sure who wins. I feel like if I were the one that hurled that insult, I'd be like, that's pretty sweet. I won. Yeah, I mean, uh, that, that, no, know, they're, they're I think, winning, I think they're sure. winning. Yeah, yeah, they're winning. So that's all right. All right. Well, be sure to check out our merch. Uh, like I said, we are adding new designs often and some products. We've got some joggers that are on there now that I can't wait for mine to come in uh, to order. Just check out our socials or uh, go to too many shirts.com slash Midwest dash murder. This time I did not say the WWW like uh, but then you had you know. to tell everybody you didn't say it. So did you really not say it, Don Palumbo? Fair. Okay. <laughs> All right. 
And of course, a, a sponsor of this show is brought to you by Midwest Memoirs, something very near and dear to Jonah and I. And have you ever wondered how the stories of the people you love most will live on after they've gone? Midwest Memoirs is here to help you capture the most precious memories of your loved ones as told in their voice. This is done with research of your family member and completed through a professionally guided interview in a comfortable studio setting using state-of-the-art recording equipment. The most important stories we'll ever hear are those of the people we love most. Contact us today on Facebook or Instagram. And if you want to see me cry, come to an interview. Otherwise, I don't cry. Yeah, it's it's Midwest yeah. Memoirs. We, we recently had a granddaughter tell us that the decision to have their 97-year-old uh, Rosie the Riveter story, grandma, come in and tell her story, the best decision that their family ever made. And it's just so, it's, it's, it's amazing. So mm-hmm. capture cool. those stories forever. It's like having somebody you love get their own podcast episode. And it's conducted, the interview yeah. is, is conducted by us. And it's just for you and your family to have forever. It's, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's something that you will cherish for a long time. All right. The year is 2017, and I will tell you that it is always a bit unnerving going to a year that you can still see in the rearview mirror, because uh, here we are. And between politics, mass shootings, pythons, a three-foot clam, and everything in between, it's amazing that we're here today. Uh, 2017 was something. Yeah, the pythons and three-foot clams everywhere. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, People were following along with the Trump administration via tweets. The Women's March descended upon Washington, D.C., Hollywood became Holly weird when mainly women's but also men's claims of sexual misconduct and assault were finally believed. Matt Lauer's office button, Harvey Weinstein's disgusting rapey antics, Louis C.K., Charlie Rose, and Kevin Spacey were all were just some of the people that were put on blast. So Rightfully so. So the solar eclipse thankfully distracted us that summer. And uh, Apple became the first company worth more than $800 billion. Wow. American. Yeah. Um, a human man, a real live human man, well, not live, uh, was found in the innards of a seven meter long python in Indonesia. Okay. That Inside. is insane. Mm-hmm. That poor yeah. guy. The first living giant shipworm was found in the Philippines, and it was a three foot clam, so also terrifying. And after missing for 41 years, 16 year old James Byron Hankinson was identified as a victim of John Wayne Gacy using DNA. Jay-Z was the first rapper to be inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame. The live-action remake of Beauty and the Beast with Emma Watson opened. I was able to see that with my oldest daughter, and when she started falling asleep, I was like, girl, get up. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Never buying you a movie ticket again. <laughs> Bob Dylan was awarded the Nobel Prize for Literature, and still to this day makes me want to have a big brass bed. It's Bob Dylan, big fan. Uh, and if you haven't noticed, the a lot of times the the intro or the like the the timeline mm-hmm. are all about my favorite things and that's um, okay bob dylan jay-z they're up there so the rest of this year though is horseshit uh joan joan baez elo journey pearl jam and tupac were a few of the inductees into the rock and roll hall of fame and uh gal gadot debuted as wonder woman with a sword between her booty cheeks and because because he's in recent news about how awful he is, uh, Sean P. Diddy, or Puff Daddy Combs, was number one on the Forbes list of top 100 highest paid entertainers at $130 million. Okay. I'm guessing he's not at the top of that list anymore. Probably fell. Yep. In uh, Super Bowl 51, the Patriots came back from a big deficit and beat the Atlanta Falcons 34-28. to Surprise, surprise, Tom Brady was the MVP. And tonight, during this recording, the Patriots are pathetically starting Bailey Zappi at quarterback. So thank you to everybody who avoided watching that disaster and came here instead. <laughs> After 74 attempts, golfer Sergio Garcia won his first major title of the Master Tournament in a sudden-death playoff. Floyd Mayweather Jr. defeated Conor McGregor. And in the Stanley Cup, the Astros beat, nope, sorry, wrong one. The Penguins beat the Nashville, Nashville Predators. And in the World Series, the Astros beat the Dodgers and were almost stripped of their title due to their sign-stealing scandal. 2017. Yeah. And to end on a high note, the largest banana split smashed records at 8,040 meters long, or a little over 26,277 feet. Um, but because so much of 2017 feels like a shit sandwich, it probably poisoned someone. So that's nice. I'm sorry, what is that, like five miles long? Five thousand, five thousand, like four or five miles long? Five, yeah. That is absurd. 5,280 feet are in a mile. What the hell? That that's is the lot. weirdest thing on here. A 
four mile long banana split? And it probably killed someone. Ew. Uh, and I'm, I'm exhausted just going through this year, so that's it. Yeah, um, that's it. That's yeah. enough 2017, Don Palumbo. It was depressing. And you guys, I only got through like July of the timelines. I was like, okay, I'm done. And that was, it was wild. So for years, the U.S. was known as the melting pot because we were made up of people from all over the world. When people and families hopped on ships at various ports for a chance at the American dream. While it isn't romanticized today as it was during the era of Ellis Island, people from around the world still come here, whether it be for a chance at a life they wouldn't have in their own country, employment, safety, environmental factors, the economy, or to study abroad, sim similar to the way that Americans go overseas in the same manner. In 2021, 31% of all students in higher education were here for education purposes, so those who had immigrated here strictly for education. Okay. Or might be on a visa or however that works. So we're going to pretend that we aren't from around here, and we're going to choose our own adventure. So picture it, it's June 2017. We went to campus that day, a short walk from where we live in married housing, and as it, the international scholar that we are, we conducted research on our focus of photosynthesis and crop productivity. I, for one, would not choose those things, but I'm sure someone does. Some of us don't have to pretend to run behind because we always are, uh, but we're running behind for an appointment to sign a lease at a different apartment complex. So at approximately 1.39 p.m., wearing a gray baseball cap, a white jacket and jeans, and just after hopping on the busy public bus, we send a text to the property manager letting them know that we'll be about 10 minutes late and should be there at about 2.10 p.m. So now, picture yourself, you're on the bus, now we're getting off the bus. At about 1.52 p.m., we get off at the stop at the intersection of West Springfield Avenue and North Matthews Avenue to catch the next bus we need to get to our new apartment. But because we're running a little behind, the bus is just leaving, and they don't stop when we try to flag them down. Figuring out what our next step will be, whether that be waiting for the next bus or not, we wait at the bus stop under a tree for some shade. At approximately 2 p.m., just minutes after we miss the bus, a black car pulls up to the curb next to where we're standing. The driver's a white male wearing mirrored aviator sunglasses, and they tell us they're an undercover police officer. They have a few questions for us and tell us to get in the car. Now remember our setting. We're an international scholar here on a student visa. There isn't much of a language barrier, but we're still in somewhat unfamiliar country. So what happens if we don't get in the car or refuse to cooperate? Could they take away everything that we've worked so hard for? After talking with him, we get in the front seat of the car at 2.04 p.m. At 2.38 p.m., the property manager texts us to see if we're on our way. We don't show up to sign the lease, our phone is turned off, and we're never seen again. Well, that's a chilling scenario. The flagship university of the state, the University, university of Illinois, straddles two sim smaller cities, Urbana and Champaign, which is about two hours from Chicago. The university calls themselves a leader in research, and they have 29 Pulitzer Prizes to prove it. They bring in thousands of students from all over the world, more than 12,000 students and almost 2,000 scholars. University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign has the largest Chinese community with over 6,000 Chinese students, right in the middle of Illinois. Yingying Zhang was born and raised in the city of Nanping. Growing up with working-class parents and her youngest brother and her younger brother, she was in a band called Cute Horse and dreamed of being a professor in China. Yingying exuded academic excellence. She graduated at the top of her class in 2013 and for graduate studies attended Peking University, which is compared to Harvard of the US. I'm sure you guys have heard, heard of it. It's like the small college on the, it's on the East, East Coast. Coast right? mm -hmm. And then from there, she graduated with her master's degree. In April of 2017, at 26 years old, Yingying arrived at the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign as an international scholar to conduct research. While she was planning to marry her longtime boyfriend in October that same year, she was also considering entering into the doctoral program at the University of Illinois. On June 9th, Yingying told colleagues in her research department that she was going to be signing the lease at 2 p.m. and would be back right after. At approximately 9.24 p.m., when Yingying didn't respond to messages and her colleagues weren't able to get in touch with her after hours of trying, they contacted the UI, University of Illinois, police department to report Yingying missing. When UIPD went to her apartment, she wasn't there and it was still locked. So I also want to point out like the police department at this university is like a real life police department. Okay. It's not like a 
retired cop working at a community so like a rent a cop situation right? as yeah. as one says this this is a police department employed by this university trained they, professionals. Yeah, they have an actual department. These guys aren't yeah. half assing it. They're they're real right. police. Yeah, because I know a lot of a lot of cases we've covered, even um, ones that we haven't. A lot of times that that ball is dropped at the university. Level. It can be. Yeah. Well, and again, you're you're dealing with somebody who is part to full time security. It's it's not always as serious for for some people as it might be for a cop. Right. <clears throat> So the search for Yingying began when her family, friends, colleagues, and strangers, including her boyfriend, uh, pardon me, I'll start over. The massive search started for Yingying. That night. And it was that night. And it was with her family, friends, colleagues, people who've never met her. And her boyfriend, Jialin, arrived almost immediately after her disappearance. Disappearance following leads, following up on things, uh, asking questions. And a lot of those leads turned out to be dead ends, unfortunately. Yeah, of course. And this is not beginning until about seven hours after her disappearance. Right. So she was gone for a pretty extended seven duration that point, yeah. before this. And you're in a big city. It's I can't imagine having to go in search of somebody with no real clues. You know what you know what they intended on doing, but like that idea, even right here in Minot in our in our town of 45, 50,000 people saying, hey, somebody's missing. Let's all go and just walk the streets and look for them. Like it, it would feel so hopeless. Yeah. So imagine being in a much, much bigger city. Of course. You know, or in two towns at that, you know, for that matter. So in Yingying's tidy apartment, a journal was found by her family and friends. The last entry was June 1st, 2017. It, the first part was translated. Jogging, 30 minutes, 6 to 6.30. Study, 40 minutes. Read paper, 30 minutes. Breakfast, 20 minutes. Followed by the words, march on. And then in English, at the bottom of the page, it says, life is too short to be ordinary. So that was a very last entry into her journal. One, thing in, one good thing in 2017 is video footage. A person is recorded nearly everywhere, even more so now. And so UIPD turned to the cameras. And after a little while of searching, they noticed that Yinging uh, noticed Yinging on various cameras throughout the public transit system, even on the buses, getting off of the buses, and then after she exited the last bus, noticed uh, they noticed a black vehicle slowly approach the curb at the bus stop where she was standing, and then a few minutes later, get into the vehicle. Investigators at that point asked the FBI to assist in the investigation. And this is. Pretty quickly, they were able to put this together. This Very absolutely. fast turnaround. This is on like the next day. Connecting mm-hmm. the video, putting a timeline together, and then seeing that vehicle. Yeah. So that's that's good, sharp, quick work. Mm-hmm. So the vehicle was an uncommon model in the U.S., but was eventually determined to be a Saturn Astra. And while we were on camera nearly everywhere in 2017, the footage still wasn't that great. It wasn't very crisp. It wasn't like watching a football game in 1994, but it wasn't very crisp. It's shocking sometimes how bad the footage can be. It's like every time somebody local steals something off somebody's porch and it's like, hey, does anybody know this guy who stole a package off my porch? And it, it, yeah, it looks like Channel 13 from 1988. (laughs) Right. Or our ring cameras or, you know, whatever cameras you're using for doorbell cameras. uh, The footage today is better than this footage in 2017. You know, so it's pretty shitty. So... Because of that, because the footage not being that great, nobody was able, uh, nobody, they weren't able to make out the license plate on the vehicle. Well, I like, it's that, that CSI effect too a little bit where, well, can't you zoom in and just make the, make the image high definition? Right. Yeah. They always do that. It doesn't always work like that. I think CSI has (laughs) like ruined, it just ruined the world. I, if you guys want to talk about it sometime, I would be more than willing to back that up. On how CSI ruined yeah. the world. Anyway, I'm sure there are some fans. It's just... No, it was you know. good. I was a fan for yeah. a minute. All right. So this is where good old detective work enters the chat. So law enforcement began the cumbersome process of searching the Illinois Secretary of State databases for vehicles and found 18 Saturn Astra vehicles matching the description. And these were it's all... Not that many. These so. were all registered in Champaign County. Can you imagine if it was like a Chevy Equinox right. or... A, or a Honda Pilot, I mean... Or a Ford F-150. Good grief, yeah. yeah. So it was, at this point, it's working in their in their favor. 
And so after paring down that list further, law enforcement started conducting interviews with the individuals who owned them just three days. So this is this is just three days after Yang Yang went missing. I'm impressed. Mm-hmm. And so after the interviews, it seemed like they'd hit a roadblock because everybody everybody had an alibi. Nobody seemed to know anything. So is this the is this the same one that was registered in this county? Do they need to look, you know, on a broader spectrum? Widen the net, as it right. were. Right. And so if it wasn't for a UIPD officer who had an interest in, in vehicles and an eye for detail, it may have just stopped there. When the officer was reviewing footage frame by frame, he noticed a sunroof and a distinguishable mark on the front passenger hubcap. So investigators went back to the Saturn Astras. And legit, the guy was like... That's tedious. No, it's, it's so tedious. Frame yes. by frame. If yeah. you've ever done video editing and, or anything like that, like that is tedious, small, mm-hmm. second by second, half a second by half a second work. And then to study each and every individual detail on that picture... Yeah, you ain't yeah, a kid. It's not easy. Good old fashioned mm-hmm. police work is right. So at that point, they decided they were going to start over, go back to those same 18 that were registered in the county and see the vehicle, see if there was a, a, a mark on the hubcap and also a sunroof. Well, they went back to the first person they interviewed, and it was a match. It had a sunroof and a noticeable scratch or crack on the front passenger hubcap. So the Astra in question belonged to Brent Christensen, a married but separated teaching assistant in the physics department with the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign, from, and he was also from Wisconsin. Can you imagine having that title and saying, yes, I'm a teaching assistant in the physics department with the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign? Like, <laughs> I need a glass of water after I say that, so that's, that's, that's something. I'm glad he sucks. Mouthful. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> the the Astra in question, of course, was his. And so when investigators interviewed him, he admitted to driving around the university campus and noticing an Asian female, quote, standing at a corner, appearing distressed. So he approached her. So everything's following along as if, you know, because he was on camera. Everything's following the, the, the camera and it's all lining up. He, he approached her and she said she was late for an appointment. So he offered her a ride. While showing him where she needed to go on, you know, I like the Google Maps, like on her phone, he claimed he made a wrong turn and she seemed to panic. So he dropped her off in a residential area just blocks from where he picked her up. Unfortunately, there wasn't much to hold him on. So they allowed him to go on June 16th after 24 hours, but not without constant surveillance. And I want to be very clear this uh, there was not a communication barrier here. Uh, between these two. There was a small, I mean, there was a little bit of a communication. Y- Ying you know. speaks English. Yeah, broken right? English. She's not, yeah. Right, yeah, but she's she's not completely um, unable to Correct. speak clearly and communicate yep. with. So, all right, I'm just trying to, is there legitimacy to his claim of a... Of, a, of, of being distressed and... I mean, at this point, it seems to make sense. And so if you're if you're giving a ride to someone who is late for an appointment, a it's 2023, why are you picking somebody up anyway? 2017, uh, but yes. But 2017. But also, you know, it, put yourself in his shoes if, if your passenger is now panicking a little bit. It's like, okay, maybe this is not a good situation. Sorry, I picked you up. Right. Maybe you should get out. You've got a cell phone. Right. It should be okay. It, Quote, it should, it be, should okay, be okay, according to this guy. I think we all know why we're here. It was not okay. Right. Yeah. But less than a week after Ying Ying's disappearance and with Christensen under 24-7 watch, agents approached. So at this point, they're, they're putting together his life, right? So they're, they so know after that he's... After that initial interview, they start they, digging in they on are all like, of him. We are here for this, yeah. And you said he was British? He was not. No, oh. he was not British. Okay. No. <laughs> Sorry, I missed that. As much as I want to make him suffer through that and make fun of him for that, I do have notes about a British student interview in here. So I, I have to take the blame for that one. I'd, I'd love to throw him under the bus, but I can't. Yep. Sorry. Okay. okay. Didn't make that up. I know. He did not make that up. I just didn't say that yet. So, so anyway, they're, I mean, they're watching him in his every move. They know that he's got a girlfriend on the side. He's married but separated, but he's got this girlfriend. And so agents decide that they're going to approach her and see what she knows. In the past, and, and, and what she knows is more than 
she couldn't, you know, she wouldn't be responsible, but she knows things. And, and my question is, oh my gosh, why are you dating this person? But why, what did she know? He admitted to her that he thought that he could kill and not get caught. Oh, and so it was a, it was a relatively newer relationship. Okay. And I'm going to say that if, if, uh, if, if somebody that I had just met said, oh yeah, I could totally kill and get away with it. I probably won't be calling them back. That's just me. But uh, yeah, feels weird. That's one red flag I can't see past. That's a. Have you guys seen the guy on TikTok with a giant red flag? Like he's running through the woods with a giant red red flag. That is like he should be here right now because I'm like, why are you talking to this person? But I I will not I mean, judge can, her. We're in a room full of potentially true crime fans, so contextually, I can see how some of these conversations might occur, but. In, in this the, case, yeah, well, that's like fair. It's, 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 again, context in these, in these situations matters. I don't think I have ever said that I think I could get away with it. No. I've I, had, I, we, we talk about frankly, murder I'm a ta- lot. No, I, I know. Nobody can get away with I it. I don't think I would. I, no, I'm not going to say that. No. And so this, is, this, is, this guy is some kind of uh, cool guy. So at this point, they're still watching him. They've interviewed her and now they ask if she would be interested in recording conversations with her with her oh, new with her new beau they asked her to be a ci mm-hmm. she was nervous to do so but in her words she wanted to know if she could trust this person or not god that is chilling i am so sorry and i forgive the judgment because i know i said i wasn't going to judge however if you have to fake record or like you pretend and record conversations that you have with this person to decide if you can trust them or not, I'm going to go ahead and say that my gut feeling can be your gut feeling and no, if you cannot, yeah. like you don't even, that, that shouldn't even be an issue. So if you're, if you find yourself in a situation, just trust your intuition. No, no, you can't trust them. Yeah. No, I personally, yeah. I usually real record all my conversations so I can listen back and know if I trust people or not. <laughs> so that's weird. Yeah. That's weird. No, I, it's an issue. Yeah. So you mean you don't do that? I do not. Uh, okay. So it's not normal it for, is... for me or anybody. No. Okay. No one. Don't record people. She ended up completing nine recordings. Nine. So they, the two of them attend a memorial vig- vigil for Ying Ying. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Indeed. Uh, so at first, so you can, you, you can, she's, she's got a wire on, they're walking along they've got him on camera. And at first he, he tells her that he just wanted to find the missing girl. And that's why he was cooperating. That's why he was going for the interviews. That's why he was there. Of course, he's just trying yeah. to be helpful. Yeah. I mean, obviously yeah. it's very clear. So on June 29th, the day of the, the vigil, they got everything that they wanted. So he mentioned that he knew that there were FBI agents following him, then said how surprised he was by how many people were in attendance and only expected 50 people at this vigil. What a creep. And so that, to me, that shows how disposable he thought his victim was. Oh, yeah, that's, that's actually a good insight. And it just, that feels icky. That feels icky. It's on a shirt. So during the vigil, he pointed to a woman across in the crowd and told Tara, his girlfriend, that he thought she would make a good victim. What? Oh. Again, enter the guy with the big red flag. Like, yeah. Not illegal to say that, mind you. No, because again, it's not illegal to be creepy or, no. you know, but this is... Well-established this is bordering. fact. Yeah. He also mentioned how the vigil and everybody there was all for him. Jesus. This guy gives me the willies. Sure. Yeah. That's a pretty, yeah. So, quote, I really do live a double life. He then told her that there had been 12 more before Ying Ying, but had never been connected to any of them. He said that he will never tell what happened with Ying Ying's remains, adding, quote, I'm apparently very good at this. And as he spoke, he was almost excited. 
So later on in the night, he took Tara's phone and typed, quote, it was me. She was number 13. She is gone forever. He then deleted the words. He eventually shared how he raped and killed Ying Ying. During the investigation, search warrants allowed investigators access to Christensen's home, vehicle, and phone. In April 2017, or in April 2017, months prior to her disappearance, Christensen found himself on a website called FetLife and visited the forums for Abduction 101, Perfect Abduction Fantasy, and Planning a Kidnapping. Completely normal, right? Totally normal. It is just so twisted, but can I can we pause this one second? What the shit is fet life? I think it's for people with fetishes, which oh, you know. Okay, I didn't, I didn't make that connection. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, hey, look. Nothing wrong hey, with with a fetish. I will not kink shame. No, we don't kink not. shame here, but I do have an issue um, when it's abduction ab- 101 yeah. and you know those types of I things. I do have an issue when, you know, fetishes are are teaching people how to be killers. I don't know. Right. That that feels a little problematic even in a society that loves freedom of speech. Yeah. Well said. I, re- I remember back in the day, the first time I heard about the anarchist cookbook, and it was like this sacred book that had all the secrets you needed to start the revolution. And I remember as a, as a teenager, then somebody said, oh, wow, you can find that on the internet. I was scared shitless to search the anarchist cookbook on the internet because of, of the way like, oh, I might get caught. The FBI might see me. I might get, mm-hmm. get labeled or branded. And of course, that's late 90s when it just it, there was still a fear and a terror in me on searching things that are evil, things that are can damage and harm and hurt. And so it's just very strange that here now in 2017, it's just, hey, do you want to know the best ways to rape, torture, abduct, kill somebody? We've got a list here. Obviously, and this they guy were not was children of the 90s. Out there. They're not, they were not children of the right. 90s. Right. It's just so yeah. bizarre. Because I still have that same fear even now, like looking up research, when I'm like, how did this person die? Like, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm uh, filtering my words that I use because I'm still terrified that somebody's watching my. Well, yeah, every once in a while in my Google search bar, I have to say, don't worry, I'm actually a true crime podcaster. (laughs) It's actually fair. I feel like it it gives me a little... Thanks for the tip. ...little little shield. So if you're searching murdery things, that's what protects you. I feel like you shouldn't have told people that. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. I'm totally kidding. So on April 30th, Brent Christensen was arrested for kidnapping of Ying Ying Zhang. So investigators also found Ying Ying's blood and DNA in Christensen's apartment. And this is not so easily explainable. Okay. Because it was under a carpet, it was on the drywall, it was on a baseball bat, and it was on a mattress. They also found that Christensen had spoken to a therapist in early 2017. That therapist was a doctorate intern at the university's mental health center. Because he saw an intern, the session was also recorded. He admitted after researching serial killers that he had started planning on committing a homicide. So he had admitted this. Christensen had admitted that too. To a therapist. The intern suggested to Christensen that he should have an assessment so he can visit with a specialized counselor. Uh, what's the protocol in these situations, Don? Because I, I feel like maybe protocol was not followed in, in this particular situation. The university maintains that it was. Okay. The intern then shared his file with staff before he left, and two staff members met with him that, at the very same time. One of them said they didn't feel Christensen needed to be hospitalized because Christensen said he wasn't currently thinking of suicide or homicidal intent. So they booked a follow-up appointment. And that's that's all you need, right? Sure. Yeah, you know, you you said you you're I'm not currently thinking of it. Did you ask me if he was thinking about it at breakfast? Like like what is your version of currently? I you know, it, it's still it's so weird because saying I'm planning to commit a homicide, is that illegal? 
Is that is I'm asking because I don't know. Is that illegal to say, hey, I'm thinking about committing a homicide. I don't know who, when, or where, but I've been thinking about doing homicide. Not I don't think I, illegal. I can't speak. I've not. I've had a lot of therapy. I've never said that I'm thinking of committing a homicide, so I don't actually know what the protocols are. Yeah, uh, that's why I asked but, because if, for a therapist to hear something like that, is there a protocol for your client, um, your so, patient, if you were to, to say, look. I get if you say you're going to suicide, you know, you're, you're thinking of suicide. That's harm to yourself. I get why maybe that wouldn't be shared. But when you bring, you know, a willful murderous thoughts into therapy, mm-hmm. I'm all for like HIPAA rules and privacy and all of that. But that feels different to me. So what I also find, this is my very um, on the other side opinion, but I'm the one sitting on the couch. Um, so the intern did what she was supposed to do. Okay. She went to the the two staff members, brought it to the the, the group, and then the two staff members met, met with him. So, in my opinion, liability purposes wouldn't it would not be on the intern because she did she brought it to people above her who are licensed. Good, fair, and that's good to know. I'm glad. I'm yeah. glad for that. But when I I struggle with that he wasn't because he wasn't currently thinking of suicide or homicidal intent. Well, how about in the last week? How about in last two weeks? <laughs> That's gonna be my question. How about no, this month? Not like, today. What well, it, means? it was last week when I was doing that. And so is that your version of currently? Because I feel like, you know, something doesn't feel quite right there. Uh, I would love to hear what you think. Do you think he showed up for his follow-up appointment? <laughs> of course, Don. Of course I think he did. Well, he did not. Oh. Oh, I thought wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm naive. Yeah. So <laughs> at this point, they're just building the case against Christensen. And two months after Ying Ying went missing, because they still have not located her remains, they have no idea where she might be. Nothing. And with Christensen in jail awaiting trial at this point, Ying Ying's family arrived in the U.S. to search for her. Because here in the U.S., it was just her, and then she had a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. So no, no family. No family. Oh, geez, that's tough. So think about that for a second. Think if your family goes missing in a different country. Whether so, we're here, and your family member goes missing in China, Italy, wherever that might be. Just pick a different country where you don't know the language, you don't know really any how anything works. I think it's easy for us to dissociate because, oh, well, I mean, you know, that that's not going to happen to me. That's not going to, you know, I wouldn't have to go to another country to look for a loved one. You don't know that. And so put yourself in, in their shoes coming to this country and not knowing anything. It's, it's, it's really sad and disheartening. So in an interview with filmmakers, because there was a documentary made about uh, Ying Ying's uh, disappearance, her life, everything. Ying Ying's mother said, quote, can we find that guy's mother? This is obviously translated. Can we find that guy's mother? We are both mothers. We share the same feelings. Wow. She knows how hard it is to raise a child. Her son should say where my daughter is. A desperate plea to a fellow mother is, is what this poor family was left to. And, and poor Ying Ying, it wasn't a disappearance. It was an abduction. It was an abduction. Yeah. And I'm still um, kind of, I'm hoping we'll get there, but I'm, I'm still also the lingering thought that he claimed she was his 13th victim is still working in the back of my mind. And, and that's, that's really creepy too. On June 12th, 2019, a little over two years since Ying Ying went missing, Brent Christensen's trial began, and this was in federal court because the FBI were involved. Okay. So the federal prosecutors were pursuing the death penalty. Christensen's attorney opened his statement by saying, quote, It will be startling for many of you to hear Brent Christensen killed Ying Ying. Wow. Okay. That's, that's how he opened it up. That's the uh, the defense attorney. That was the defense uh, just attorney. Just making sure I, I heard that right. It's a good right. clarification. I feel yes. like you should. Just yeah. want to make sure. Yep. 
Okay. So what do you present at a trial of when you're the defense team and you just admitted that your guy... I mean, it doesn't matter what the uh, prosecution has at that point, right? They no, could, they could just say... Yeah, no, he, uh, yeah, he took him. That's all. You're turning might, it on your head. I'm guessing they might try to play for some weird self-defense angle or insanity. I, I don't know. Um, nope. Affluenza asshole. Like, I don't know. The trial was less about whether or not Christensen killed Ying Ying and more about whether he deserved the death penalty. Oh, okay. So, so that's, they knew, yeah, that's what you're going for. They knew the case that the prosecutor, prosecution had. He was toast. They knew it. Toast. Like, toast. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. literally. Literally. In the end. I, well, toast. After two weeks of trial, jurors deliberated, deliberated for less than two hours, and they found Brent Christensen guilty. Because, again, the defense just admitted to it. Made that yep, part easy. He did it. And so, again, it was, it was less about whether or not and how... He killed this woman and more on whether he killed her in such a way that deserved the death penalty. I find it's a weird strategy for a defense, but. I feel like it's not the, it might not be the first time we've seen it because I've, I've seen a lot of, especially sure. a, a lot of killers who initially wanted to fight for their innocence and then hear that if they admit it or they narc on somebody, then they won't have to face the death penalty. Um, there's, I've, I've seen a lot of hearts change over the idea of not having to face the death penalty, which is always a little bizarre in and of itself. Even, even some of the killers who admittedly felt like, oh, I deserve to die and I want to die after what I've done. Then they hear that, oh, no, but if you do this, you, you won't get the death penalty. Oh, really? Okay. Sure. So... It, 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 is, it is a weird and odd strategy, but not surprising here. They've got everything they need on this guy. If he wants to live, this is, all, this is the only shot This is the got. only shot they've got, yeah. So during sentencing, the jury said Yinging was vulnerable, quote, due to her small stature and limited ability to communicate in English. So, okay, like, what? So I... You guys, this what wasn't, is that? This what wasn't, is the point in that? This wasn't 1990 when you would expect somebody to say something like that. This was, carry the one, five, five years ago, four years, six years ago, whatever. Six years ago. Dear God, math is not meant for me. It's six years ago. When are we going to stop blaming the victim? Is that a victim blame to say that she was vulnerable? Uh, you know, I, I'm just, just asking. Because, I'm not saying it well, not. Because but. she couldn't fight back. And, and is it just an observation or are they trying to say, well, you know, this, are they trying to imply you're in the wrong place at the wrong time because you're small and can't speak English well? Or what, what's the implication with their statement, I guess? What's the intent of that statement? Good question. It, it, it's, to me, it's a, it's a bullshit question to even have to, or, or, or a statement to even make. So because someone's small and they couldn't fight back, Shucks. So at, at what point, like how it feels so cavemanish that we're still talking about, you know, size as being able to defend yourself. She shouldn't have had to defend herself. That's the issue. Yeah, of course. So, so I, it, that, what's that the message bothers, here? Don't be tall and strong. Like, is that, well, is that what hey, sorry, sorry, yeah. short folks. Eat a lot of butter can, and get chubby. Sorry. Like, I, you uh, know, then, then you won't, you know, fat people are harder to kidnap. I mean, <laughs> like, <laughs> like what? I mean, I don't, I, I well, don't that, get. Right. Yeah. I, I don't get it either. I don't. I, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. He was sentenced to life in prison without parole. Gross. Yep. Yeah. And it was for the rape and murder of Ying Ying Zhang because the jury was unable to reach a unanimous decision on the death penalty. So some of them did feel he deserved the death penalty then. It was, that was the conversation mm -hmm. there. Okay. So if, if, in case you guys were curious, if you were still interested in, in, in dating Brent Christensen, I, I offer you this. Um, he did offer to plead guilty and cooperate fully in exchange for a life sentence. But that was the only way. 
The Zhang family was consulted prior to denying that offer, and they released a statement saying that they were leery of the defendant's claims and that there was no promise that her remains would be found. And so that's what he meant by his cooperation. I'll, 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 tell, you, I'll tell you what I did after I horrifically took this person's life. You let yeah. me keep living. I'll do you the kindness to show you where I put the body. And maybe I tell you to take a wrong turn. Yeah. There's no guarantee. Dude, I, 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 so the, the family, the family did say, nope, go for the good. Go I, for the gold. I respect yeah, their hard ass stance on that. Mm-hmm. I do. Yeah. And, and I think unless we've lived it, it's easy for us to not think about what it's like from the family's perspective. Her dad said, quote, to tell you the truth, I do not know how to live the rest of my life. In her mother's video testimony in court, she said, quote, this wonderful daughter of mine she is my everything. Our entire family does not know how to carry on. I don't care what country you're in. I don't care where you're from. If you're just visiting, whatever. We're all human beings. And you, I mean, you can just hear this woman's pain. Yeah. It, it, regardless of, of what language you speak in, what country this level of sadness is universally understood much like an ass whooping. And I wish somebody would have laid one on this Brent Christensen guy. That's just terrible. Well, his dad didn't like him really. His dad spoke to ABC news and was like, yeah, he's probably got some diagnosis, but he's never been diagnosed with it. He spoke out. He spoke out about him. And I mean, to the point where, I wouldn't say that his dad hates him, but his dad was like, I don't see how he could do this, but. Mm. So the Zhang family sued two of the counselors from the mental health center at the university and alleged that they, quote, acted with deliberate indifference and that Ying Ying's death could have been avoided. And this, of course, were the counselors that the intern gave the information to. And they said, well, he wasn't yeah. talking about doing homicide today. It's been a couple weeks since he did that. I don't and we feel like we scheduled another appointment. Yeah, he's got another appointment. We'll see what happens at the next appointment. No need to worry. He was talking about homicide last week, but not today. They the first lawsuit was dismissed. It seems like it would be a hard one to get to stick. And also the second one was also dismissed. Yeah, sadly, I'm not surprised. I wish I could say otherwise. I'm not quite surprised. I'm also don't know. You know I don't. I don't. I don't know what what they faced. I can't sit here and say that those counselors acted That's wrong or yep, poor. Because I we, can't. Yeah, we don't know it, exactly what was. It feels yeah. strange, and I I personally feel like if 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 a patient comes in and says I've been thinking about killing people, I'm ringing alarm bells. I I you know I'm I I think. Call the psych ward, you know, call the state hospital, call police. Like I'm this this person says they are thinking about murder. But again, the weird thing is if someone says, I am thinking about doing murder. How long can you hold them? You know what? Like, how long can you hold them? What are, you, you get them in there? You get them into the state hospital and they say, OK, well, this guy's talking about murder. Let's give him let's give him all the evaluations. And you give them a day or two days of evaluations. And oh, they passed all the evaluations, not thinking about murder anymore. So I guess we're good here. Eating three squares a day, you know, it's everything seems fine. And so it's what do you do as a society when someone says, I've been thinking about killing people? You, it's not a crime to say that. And and so that I don't know, I can't I can't get over that. Maybe I'm not saying it should be a crime, but I'm saying we should have a better protocol as a society, as humans of what to do in those scenarios. And And this guy is a prime example of that. I think as a country, we've, we've come a very, very long way of, uh, for, uh, on mental health. We have. I saw this um, meme on Instagram the other day that said, great, we're all talking about mental health. I'm not any better, but we're all talking about it. And so we've at least hit those steps that we are, you know, mental health is discussed, but now, now we need to do better. Because something like this should be, should have been avoided. 
In this case, in yeah. my in my opinion, in this case, it, yeah, absolutely. It, in in this situation, mm-hmm. it probably was avoided. This guy sh- this guy should have been red flagged to some level um, already. But to what what good that would have done? I, I, you know, it, it's hard to say. Mm-hmm. Could he have gotten help that like help that would have prevented him from becoming a killer? Was that was that would that have been possible? Had those had those two went above and said, "Hey, look, this guy really does need help. We think we've got a possible killer on our hands here." Um, I, I don't I don't yeah. know if we're if we're managing that very well. And I'm still curious: was there ever anything about his claims to more murders? So Yingying's body to this day has not been found. And so he said he was going to cooperate and didn't show where the body was. He was going to cooperate, but only if he if only if he was allowed a plea with the death penalty off the table. Well, he didn't get the death penalty anyway. So it's like he, nope, he wins mum's the word. He wins. Mm-hmm. That's effed up. And to the knowledge of law enforcement, he has not been linked to any other murders. OK, so they did they try to, I, I imagine when they ransacked his house and searched his house, they got his computer, his cell phone. Nothing like else, they, nothing else popped up. Mm-hmm. So nope. this is either he really does have more bodies out there or he's just that freaking sick and demented and twisted that he thought it would be cool if he said he killed 12 other women before Ying Ying. My guess is he hasn't. This is my speculation. I don't think he committed other murders. Okay, that was going to be That's my next my question for you. Because this, with the promise of sex by his girlfriend, that's all it was. It was like, basically, hey, tell me more. And he tells her everything. Like, they, they didn't know each other for that long. So I, no, he, if, if he had committed more, he would have been... I don't want to use the word smarter, but would have been more quiet, I guess I should say. Yeah, I like that. I think that's a smart observation on your part, Don, with how willfully and easily he admitted to Ying Ying's murder to his girlfriend, who he barely knew. There's no way this guy was stacking bodies up and not admitting to it before. <laughs> and, you know, unless he did, and this was just the one he couldn't contain it anymore. But uh, I think your hunch is right, and this probably is sadly is only is only victim and and this is thankfully i mean but also it shouldn't have been anybody that no and very 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 sad and avoidable tragedy of somebody who was aspiring to more so sources for today um cbs news on this day for the timeline and then higher ed immigration portal.org international.illinois.edu chicago tribune the actual criminal complaint from the U.S. District Court, vice.com. And it was an article by Yang Yang Cheng, who was about the same age. Um, and it's just, it's a really good article. I, I, I recommend it because it was um, also coming from her perspective. It was really good. It, it was, okay. yeah. Um, and then llcd.uscourts.gov, wttw.com, abcnews.com, deathpenaltyinfo.org. A lot of sources for today. Uh, merch, buy some. Uh, it's you can find us at uh, too many shirts.com slash Midwest dash murder. Um, if you have a, a suggestion, by all means, we're we're all ears. Uh, this episode was written by myself, Don Palumbo. Midwest Murder is hosted by Don Palumbo and Jonah Lanto, this guy over here, and it is produced by the Good Talk Network. Um, So make sure you scan the QR code if you have any questions. And, of course, if you want to name tonight's episode. Yeah, please do name the episode. We appreciate you so much. Thank you, Minot, for being here with us tonight.